Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And I'm extremely upset. I am growing bored. I am resentful of the situation that we're (laughs) in. And I watch the daily Mm -hmm. press conferences. And one of the things that has become clear over the last two of these, because Mm -hmm. you you have to listen through the Trump speak, which at this point we understand, when he talks about someone thought such and such, that means him. He's been saying someone thought maybe we should just let it ride. We should just ride it out. Just see what happens. Do nothing and see if we can just make it through. So he would just have tons of people getting sick and dying and just... Go on Mm -hmm. pretending nothing is happening, not really talk about it, create distractions, move along. And when Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks were like, well, like 2.2 million people would die, then he was like, oh, well, I guess we better do something. And just the thought of can we just do nothing? Can we just pretend there's nothing to see here? And now he's trying to set it up like, well, if 200,000 people die, then that's a victory because it's not 2.2. It could have been 2.2. It's just so enraging and so disgusting. And yesterday really brought something home to me, the new level that we're at, because I retweeted about five people who were saying that mm-hmm. a, somebody and their fr- a friend or family member had died from it. And somebody the day before, somebody who I had a meeting with about a year ago died from it. And the number of deaths and the proximity of death is coming closer and closer to my life and to all of our yep. lives. And this president goes up to the microphone and talks about companies talks about uh, tax breaks, never talks about a family that is dealing with death, never talks about a specific person. There is some fictional person who went into a coma. We never know anything about that. He doesn't care about people. He cares about companies. And we are stuck with the worst possible leader for this moment. I mean, look... um... All of that is true. 
I deeply feel your frustration. I deeply feel your anger. I go through a series of waves, emotional waves on a regular basis. My therapist tells me that that's normal. (laughs) Um, I will say this. Look, I stopped watching Donald Trump's press conferences. So kudos to you and the rest of America that has been uh, doing that. I don't do it for my own health, wellness, and safety um, because fuck him. I don't need a fucking infomercial. If I wanted that, I would turn on QVC. Mm. If I wanted to learn how to go buy a fucking Mr. Pillow, then maybe I would go to Bed Bath & Beyond in the scene on TV fucking aisle. But I sure as hell don't want that to be the person that is talking to me about what is going on with the coronavirus in the United States. And to the point that we don't have Donald Trump as the um, empathy commander in chief, that Mm. he isn't speaking to individuals. He isn't speaking to families. Has Donald Trump left the fucking White House since Mar-a-Lago closed? I'm pretty sure he hasn't. So he's not even visiting some of the most devastated areas as other leaders would do, right? That's not what he is doing. He went to New York briefly to see the big boat which is now a floating hospital come in. That's all he did. Well, you know, bravo to him. Like, you know, (laughs) I just, I I, I think that if you are still of the belief that Donald Trump is somehow going to turn presidential, that he's somehow going to manifest into the kind of leader and character that we need in this moment, then like I have a fucking bridge to sell you or go by Greenland and let's all socially distance from there. But that was yesterday. That was yesterday. Lots of media, lots of regular people, even Jim Acosta, who I have great respect for, talking about you know, new tone, Jake Sherman, new tone, turned a corner. No, there was not a new tone. There was a moment of somberness when he was like, we have a rough two weeks ahead of us. And then he went back to his normal carnival Barker uh, perspective and tone. At one point in the briefing, he questioned, should I keep going with this? And he spread his hands out and he said, I got nothing else to do. Let's have some more questions. You have nothing else to do in the greatest medical crisis in over a generation? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I mean, what I, I guess, you know, the thing is, is that as we are lining up refrigerator trucks because the morgues have become... Uh, uh, over overflowing with dead bodies. So we are now lining up refrigerator trucks uh, in cities around the country because the morgues are overfilled and Donald Trump wants to get on stage and talk about his ratings and look at Scarf Lady, a.k.a. Dr. Bricks, and say, oh, when is this room going to be filled? When are people going to be sitting on top of each other and fighting to get in? Go fuck yourself. Mm. Like I, the restraint that some of these White House reporters have shown um, is amazing. Like I know why no one ever asked me to be a White House reporter, right? Because I think that my tolerance for bullshit is probably at a negative 150,000 <laughs> at this point. And so, I mean, I would just raise my hand and be like, why are you such an asshole? Like, has anybody asked you that? Like, I'm just curious because you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. And, you know, but a month ago you were telling us that we were going to have cases that were down to zero. Um, well, nobody uses, no, nobody uses but the here, A but word. But here we are. But we have seen that. We've what, seen. Ask a yeah, question? <laughs> yes, we've seen. Well, no, we've seen Jim Acosta. We've seen Peter Alexander and some others try to make some point of basically, you know, four weeks ago, three weeks ago, you said this, this and this. 
or, you know, hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of people are sick and thousands of people are dying, what do you say to the scared? What do you say to Americans who are upset with you because you downplayed it at first, which made the problem even greater? And they get attacked. Now, as much as I would love to see DM, you know, in the White House briefing room, oh, come on. ripping the president in a new one. I would love it. I deeply respect and admire the dignity and the restraint that Yamish Alcinder, uh, oh, yes, friend, of, friend of mine, perhaps a friend of yours, has yes. shown in the briefings that she has a question. She will not be deterred by the personal attacks. She will not be deterred by the insults. It's not an ego gesture for her. It is a it, I have a question and I'm going to get this question out. And if you personally attack me, it bounces off of me and I continue to ask my question. And, you know, it takes a lot of gumption and guts and just sort of self-belief to continue pressing forward when this man has attempted to or succeeded in embarrassing mm-hmm. you on national television on multiple occasions. But she is such a professional and she is such a uh, such a valuable reporter that she continues to go there and continues to ask important and valuable questions and i appreciate her deeply I mean, look, he ain't embarrassing anybody but his fucking self. So let's just be clear about that. Because Yamish uh, is asking the questions that more reporters should ask. And what I want to see, what I would like to see more of in these quote unquote uh, infomercial press briefings is I would like to see when questions are not answered by one reporter, then the next reporter asks the same fucking question. I'd like that too. I don't know why why they can't link up ahead of time and say, you know what? We here are the, here are the 10 questions that all of us, the American people need to know. And if you're going to ask it, Yamish, and he's not going to answer it, then the next person is going to ask the same question and the next person is going to ask the same question. And he can call all of us nasty. He can tell all of us that, you know, we're threatening, which is what he said to fucking. You know what? Yamish is threatening. Mm. You're supposed to be commander in chief of of the greatest military in America, mm. but somehow a black woman who knows her worth and is intelligent asking you a question is somehow threatening. Go fuck yourself. I mean, like one thing you know, is, the, the, but they, they're not all of one piece, right? They have overcredited people from organizations that are right wing nut job organizations, and he knows who's in the room, so he knows that he yeah. if he's getting a hard time from Peter Alexander or uh, someone at CNN, um, he can point to someone from OAN or somebody from, you know, one of these right wing. I mean, like this, the, my, my jaw dropped the other day. This woman said, you know, yeah, like, you know, 2000 have died, but uh, over that have died, children have died from abortion in the last year. So what do you think the news media says about that? I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like the 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 intellectual I'm sorry, dishonesty I, I, I'm in the Wait, question is, is abortion contagious? Exactly, I, I didn't realize Ex- that. Like, exactly. if you touch a woman who has had an abortion, does that mean automatically your baby aborts from your body? 
I mean, you know. I, I, I mean, is that, is, that, is that the science that they're working with right now? There is no science. It's just, you know, this is bad and this is worse than that. Abortion is worse than anything. Uh, a woman having a right to choose what she does with her body and to plan her life is worse than anything. So everything, nothing else matters. And that is one of the guiding ethos of a lot of people on the right um, that makes them feel like they are right and liberalism is completely wrong. And we... I think for so many of us on the left, it is such a settled issue that women should mm-hmm. have control and just understanding that most people who have abortions are mothers. So they're already understanding of what it takes to raise a child and they're understanding, I don't have the emotional, the financial, the spiritual wherewithal to raise another one, to bring a second or third or fourth child into the world. So I need to con- family planning. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. What about that? Hmm. But the right ain't trying to hear that. I want, you know, family, family planning. I guess it would be hard for you to get direction on family planning for a a man that has planned multiple ways to pay off strippers and porn stars, um, cheated on his pregnant wives uh, on multiple occasions. I guess we should really be looking to him for his fucking guidance. And, you know, frankly, like that woman who asked the question, uh, which was not a question uh, in the briefing room, again, if you had more of these reporters than not band together to get the actual answers that the American public needs, then you would go right in with the next question. Okay. Because uh, honestly, that has nothing to do with where we are and has nothing to do with the fears that the American people have about being able to leave their homes and knowing that they are going to go into the grocery store. And now we're all wearing latex gloves and masks and wiping down our groceries with Clorox bleach and doing all of these things. And so I don't give a fuck about a woman who has her right to be able to have an abortion doing so. And frankly, there are several states that have said that abortions are no longer essential procedures Mm. because I guess that that's something that you can get done in two, three, four, five months from now. That's not how that works. That's insane. Somebody asked an important question that I want to address and we can both dig into this. Why have Trump's approval ratings gone up in this period? Um, and I've talked to, and I was definitely concerned about that. And I talked to several political scientists about it to try to further understand. And they talked about a vast increase in the amount of time that he is, uh, in front of the cameras. They talked about Mm -hmm. the time in which this crisis has been playing out is not really yet long enough for most Americans to have felt the pain. A lot of people are feeling the anxiety of what's coming, but a lot of people have not yet felt the pain, right? This is the first rent day of this corona crisis. So now Mm -hmm. a lot of people are starting to feel the pain and may say, Whoa! Wait a minute. Like we've had a huge, uh, we've had a we've had a huge problem here, and it is affecting my life. It's not abstract. Um, a lot of people get their news from local news, so they're not getting the full mm-hmm. portrait of what's going on. I think a lot of people in red states are getting an entirely different picture uh, than a lot of us who are in blue states of how bad this is because it's not landing in a lot of red states yet, but it will soon. I don't wish it on them, but it seems inevitable. Um, you know, I think that you're going to see the approval rating catch up with him soon. And people are also saying that it hasn't 
jolted up as much as it has for other people and other presidents in in difficult moments. So, I mean, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot, you know, also the number one political scientist talked about the fact that everybody is home suddenly has skewed the sort of person um, who's able to answer the pollsters when they are calling on them. So it's, it's, we have a completely different electorate at this time. And even as Trump's approval rating has gone up, we don't see him beating Biden in most national polls, right? And most key state polls. So it's not, though the approval rating is not showing up in the head to head matchup. One, you know that I don't put a lot of stock in polls. I think that you might as well shake a magic eight ball and ask the questions. And I mean no shade That's to my pollster friends. Um, I mean no shade to my pollster friends, but let's be real, right? Like people lie. And you can also distort and ask questions in a myriad of ways in order to get the answers that you want. That is the beauty of polling. So that's number one. Number two, I have also been talking to some of uh, some of our friends who are political scientists today. I talked to Dr. Christina Greer and, you know, asked a similar question with regard to the polling and why his numbers are going up. And some folks have said this, and I actually agree. When the initial polls took place, right, Fox News comes out today, uh, this week, morning consult and politicals polls came out with uh, Trump's job handling. And basically, in the first stages of shock and, oh, my God, this is happening, Americans want to rally around their leader, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. They want to give, even because out of fear Mm -hmm. in a time of war, you still want to give the the benefit to who is in control Mm -hmm. in order to right the ship, right? Mm -hmm. So initially, when Americans were asked, how do you think that Trump's handling of this situation is going? And it was the highest that he has received, which was 49%. Trump has never hit 50% Mm -hmm. approval rating in the entire time that he's been in office. Mm -hmm. However, this week, similar question. Now, these polls happen every two weeks. Similar question being asked. You brought up the point that more people are actually home now. More people have lost their jobs. More millions of people have applied for unemployment benefits. You have now small businesses trying to get their loans uh, put together for forgiveness, right? In order to be able to uh, stem the tsunami of economic insecurity that is coming their way over the next 90 days. The poll numbers for Trump are now going downwards because everyone is starting to understand this man is lying to us every single day, every single day. He is lying to us every single day. He is telling us, you know, before it was, we're all going to be impact churches by Easter. We're going to be fine. It's going right? to go away we're like a be miracle. Totally fine. It's going to go away by the time. Eight, but he, he said this several weeks ago it's t- is April 1st by the time April hits we're going to be in such better shape we're going to be in amazing shape the shape we're going to be in is going to be so great right <laughs> here we are it's April 1st and we have taken over the number one spot as more coronaviruses in any other place in the world uh and more deaths uh are coming in on a day in and day out basis so eventually as these numbers start to hit closer to home i have also spoken to friends that have the coronavirus i've spoken to people that know of other people their family members and friends have died that is going to get closer and closer. And the closer and closer it gets to home, the more you're going to start pointing the finger at who is supposed to be providing relief for you. 
Mm-hmm. Who is supposed to be doing that? And you're listening to your governors every day and you're listening to your local news stations and you're listening to your governors, whether they now be Republican or Democrat, pleading with the federal government to do something. Mm-hmm. So at some point in time, folks are going to be like, wow, you know, this Trump guy, he was really funny and entertaining, you know, and 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 slapstick and all of this shit. But oh, shit, my business fo- folded and my best friend is dead. So now what? That's I mean, where that's where we're that's where we're marching to right now. I don't wish anything bad on anyone. I'm just noticing that in the, a lot of the red states, they seem to not be taking this as seriously because they are getting bad information from Trump, from Fox News, perhaps from local news. I watched Fox for a few minutes yesterday. And I could only take a few minutes. And the conversation was really this sort of pearl-clutching uh, bit about, do you, can you believe they want us to wear masks? That's crazy. And they're letting all the criminals out of prison. That's crazy. And it doesn't, it doesn't really suggest we're in a serious problem. They're still finding the space to sort of look down on the issue. And... It really doesn't take much to make this thing spread. And if you see people not taking this seriously now and having an explosion in various red states in a month or two, um, they're going to figure out real quick in reality, in real time, oh, no, somebody lied to us. And, you know, I, I hope that they have the wherewithal and the sense to blame the person who's actually responsible here. They won't. I mean, look, you have uh, Governor DeSantis today who doesn't even deserve the title of governor. Mm. But I guess just calling him an asshole would seem very immature of me. But he is just a fucking asshole um, today has decided not to allow a cruise ship of 1,400 people where two of them have already, or four, excuse me, four have already died to dock in Florida. Because guess what, Torre? He doesn't want his numbers, numbers. to go up. Numbers. So where, where, who, who does that sound like? Well, he doesn't want this ship bringing in more problems to Florida than, you know, the ones he's created. So wait a minute. So we are in <laughs> agreement, and I think most people are in agreement that— Trump's response to this has been horrendous and has thus led to death, right? Has had yes. led to the spread of this. So he then has blood on his hands, does he not? I mean, I don't know why Joe Biden found it so difficult to say. Thank that. you. Why um, did you say I, that? I, uh, does does Donald Trump did Donald Trump's inaction and slowness to react to the coronavirus when he was alerted of its existence back in December? Does he now have blood on his hands? This comes from Chuck Todd, who is notorious for asking stupid fucking questions. This, however, wasn't a dumb one. It was right on spot. And here sits Biden and says, you know, that's just a little bit harsh. You know, I just this the man is, tried to destroy you and your family. He dis- he tried tried to destroy you and your family. If anyone should have the ability to actually say it like it is, 
it would be Biden and no one would be like, oh, that's too tough. He tried to drag his son and him and his entire family through the mud and get the Ukrainian Ukrainian president to do it. He risked his presidency to try and destroy you. So when asked a pointed question about whether or not you think this man who does have blood on his hands has blood on his hands, the only answer you should have given was yes. Why can't he rhetorically punch Trump in the face? I thought that's what we were looking for. I thought that's why- I thought he was going to beat him like a drum. I, I, I thought that's why we couldn't have any of the women. The Democratic the Democratic constituency seemed totally against a woman because we already won loss, so we can't try that again. We can't, it's too risky to try another woman, which is completely ridiculous. But also, we wanted someone who was tough, who was going to rhetorically punch him in the face in the debates. And Biden- consistently refuses to do that. He wants to be nice. He wants to be dignified. He wants to be nice. (laughs) Yeah, he said it twice. And I'm fine with nice and dignified, but we have- Really? We have, in general, I think nice and dignified is what politicians should be. But we have a bully- That's how I feel about that. We have a bully in the White Mm -hmm. House. We have, he is running against a bully- and being nice all the time is not the answer. And do you think is he trying to win over Torre? Is he is he still of the of the mindset that he is going to be the one that can build this bridge between Democrats and Republicans? Do you think that yeah. he still believes that there are Trump voters out there yeah. who, if they see him as being nice, kind, and decent, you know all the things that Trump embodies, that he's <laughs> that he's going to win them over, like? Is that a thing? Like, a, it, what kind of fantasy is that? I think there is that something there that, that if we give them a permission structure to vote for me, don't demonize them for having voted for Trump, but give them a permission structure to vote for me. Um, that's more effective than demonizing Trump. But uh, I don't like a democratic strategy that hinges on assuming Democrats will come home and and uh, and trying to and thus trying to win over Republicans at the expense of Democrats. I am offended that the Democratic nominee cannot say uh, the president has blood on his hands. That offends me. And you are taking my vote for granted. You know what? The idea that I have to show up because Trump is horrible. Okay, Trump is horrible, but the Democratic nominee should also want to win my vote. And he's not trying to do that. And I find it offensive that he can't say Trump has blood on his hands. He with Nicole Wallace, he said he's he's a he said he's doing a bad job as president and then quickly apologized and retreated from that saying I shouldn't say that shouldn't be so harsh. What is the problem? And where is Joe? You know, I saw this tweet yesterday saying Joe Biden's on TV twice today and people will say, uh, where is Joe? And I wanted to amend it and say Joe Biden's on TV twice this week and people will say, oh, people are going to say, where is Joe? Yeah, where is Joe? I don't know. He's tried to give his really um, 
weak living room addresses. And look, you know, I know that everybody's going to come for you and I and say, it's the nominee that we have. Just let it go. No, I don't want to let it go. Um, because now I- ignorance is not bliss. It is actually going to get people killed. And somebody that does not have the fortitude, that does not have the spine, that does not have the presence and the conviction to convince the American people that Donald Trump is a piece of shit, that he does not care about you. And not only does he does that, does he not care about you? He only sees dollar signs when he sees you, which is why he wants to force people back to work. If you are not articulating everything that Donald Trump is doing, if you are not using every press briefing to then put Biden on right after and say, you know what, y'all, let me do a fireside fact check, you know, with you all every single day. Like, if you're not doing that, then what the fuck are you doing? Everybody and their mother is on Instagram live. Tell me why. Tell me why we're not seeing Joe Biden go live on a regular basis. If 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 the debate stage is something that was so complicated for him, if there were so many people, he was getting drowned out and the time frame was too much, he would cut himself off. Well, now, guess what? You can be in your living room. Go fucking ham. And my right? go for it. My critique of Biden is not undercut with, well, we should have chosen Bernie. I fully understand and I fully mm-hmm. accept that Bernie has lost and he should drop out of the race. I reject the notion that Biden is doing something or Biden is currently harmed because Bernie has not yet dropped out. He's effectively been cut out of the race. The race has been frozen by Corona Mm -hmm. and Bernie is frozen at a point when he had already effectively lost. I am not arguing for Bernie anymore. I fully, I fully understand and accept why he lost. Um, I can criticize Biden without it being implicitly, well, we should have chose Bernie. Bernie had some problems as a candidate and that doomed him and that's fine. But the core argument for Biden was electability, that people are going to vote for him. And Mm -hmm. there's no guarantee that he's going to win for that to be a successful governing argument. And if you can't put a black woman on the ticket with you, then I'm like, mm-hmm. who are you and why are we talking to you? And why are we talking to each other? Why are you the Democratic nominee? I will accept Elizabeth Warren. I would love to see Kamala Harris. I would love to see Stacey Abrams. I would accept Val Demings. There are some other black women who would be very interesting, but it is black people who got Biden here. And and I do not appreciate the way that he is handling this moment. And if he tops it off by not choosing a black woman, he's already committed to choosing a woman. And I, I take him at his word there. But if it's not a black woman or progressive darling Elizabeth Warren, I'm like, you know, you got to win me over. You can't just assume that I will come and vote for you just because you have a D next to your name. Give me something. Make me feel like you want my vote. Not like you just assume that I'm going to vote for you. And I know that you don't like when I bring up my boyfriend all the time. But I'm going to bring up my boyfriend. Come on. Come on. He's having a good day. Because what I want is a, I want Anthony Cuomo type energy. Do you know what I'm saying? And people like <laughs> you, you know what Andrew, I'm saying. When Andrew, I say that Andrew, 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 Andrew Cuomo. I need Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo type energy. I need somebody that's going to stare into the barrel of a camera and tell it like it is. I need somebody that is going to, in a very political type of way, throw so much shade at Trump. I need somebody who I can believe in. Are the numbers going up each and every day? 
Yeah. Am I terrified about where New York is? Yeah. But do I feel safe that there is a grown up at the wheel of this, that there is somebody that is doing everything and anything that they can to get the job done that is straightforward with the American people every single day. And as my friend Kenya just said, BDE. That's what we need. And that is what Biden does not have. He don't have that energy. He definitely doesn't. He don't have it. And he doesn't have it. And every day is a missed opportunity for him to show us that he's a fighter. And the man has fought through a lot in his life. And so I'm not saying that at some point in time, Joe Biden hasn't been able to fight and overcome incredible obstacles that no one would ever wish on their worst enemy. But at this moment, you need somebody that is going to go toe to toe. And I don't mean fucking rhetorically. I mean, absolutely go toe to toe. I mean, put Donald Trump in his place. Why after Donald Trump basically is treating the governors of this nation as if they are candidates on The Apprentice, where he is Mm. like forcing people to fight over ventilators, Uh, forcing them to fight over a massive... And he says that you need to appreciate me, that it needs to be a two-way street. I'm sorry, what? You are not a dictator. This is not North Korea. You are not Kim Jong-un. Stop it. Stop it. Right? We need somebody that is going to look at him and be like, you know what? And Joe Biden, unlike the governors right now who are in a precarious situation that are trying to save as many residents as possible, Joe Biden doesn't have a constituency. He doesn't have people that he has to worry about. He can piss off Donald Trump as much as he wants. So why isn't he taking him to the mat right now? Why isn't he doing that? I don't think that's in his wheelhouse at this point. And I don't think it's in his... A decision-making process in terms of who he wants to be. He wants to be nice. He wants to be decent. He wants to be seen as competent. He does not have revolutionary ideas. He is safe. He is the safest thing there is. And maybe, maybe he'll hold on and win this thing. And it will be like at the moment that America wanted safe, this guy showed up and was safe. Safe bothers me. Because safe is part of the mm-hmm. status quo. And Trump is horrible, but the status quo was not that good for black and brown people to begin with. So I need no, a little – I need more than the status quo. That the, That's a loss for me, right? It's just to settle for the status quo. I do appreciate uh, with your boyfriend, uh, Governor <laughs> Cuomo – and he's a lot of women. I had a lot of female friends who were like, yeah, that's my boyfriend. What's up? I love him. And I was. Well, let me tell you something. It's not just women. Okay? <laughs> no, true, true, uh, true, true. I have seen many of meme talk about being a Cuomo sexual. Did you not send me that? <laughs> I have seen many of folk, uh, you he know, knows how to straight, bick- gay and otherwise. He knows how to bicker with Trump or retort Trump without getting into the mud, without getting into a tit-for-tat sort of thing. You know, when reporters mm-hmm. present him with, you know, basically Trump said such and such, he knows how to, like a grown-up, handle that comment and push it aside. But the core of politics is not what people do in front of the mic. Now, in this, a situation like this, a politician needs to come out and truly calm the public, right? With truth and honesty and his tone or her tone and their their me and their way of being. Trump thinks, if I just tell you good things, that you'll be calm and happy. No, but you're lying to us, mm-hmm. which creates a lot of confusion and anxiety. Um, and your tone is certainly not one of empathy or understanding. Cuomo deeply embodies the tone of understanding of the pain and the difficulty of the moment that you want to have in a leader. But 
the stuff that politicians do at the mic is truly secondary work to what they do in a back room when they have to make a deal and get something done and get some Mm -hmm. legislation and trade and argue with somebody, negotiate with somebody to get something done. And you know that Cuomo is crushing it in the back room. You know that he knows how to take control of these situations and get what New York state needs and get what is right for the, for, for his people. And with Trump, we have 50 states and FEMA bidding for the same ventilators, pushing the prices up. He's always on the side of the corporations. He loves Always. Boeing and GE and 3M and my pillow way more than he loves any citizen. And it's disgusting. I mean, you know what? I, I, I continue to say this. I say it on Woke AF all the time. Uh, and I say it on Twitter. Folks need to follow the money. People need to understand that who was going to benefit with this slow rollout on the part of the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. Why are we still waiting on tests, right? Who is making back deals with pharmaceutical companies right now? Is Jared Kushner coming out with a platinum line of of coronavirus tests for the rich? Come on now. Like, I mean, seriously, when I say that folks need to investigate and you need to follow the money— All of this always comes back to money. And you know, what does Trump put above everything else, even his own kids? Money. Money, Money. right? So if he sees a money-making opportunity, if it's going to be done on the backs of the American people, he going to do it. Adam Schiff said it at the last day of the impeachment hearing. He said, Trump will only look out for Trump. So ask yourself, who is going to benefit? If we did universal testing... Right. And the government was going to pay for that. And we weren't going to be creating relationships with private corporations. Then there's no way for him to make money. Right. So you have to ask yourself again, the the two trillion dollar deal. Right. Did you see you see and see this is a thing, too. If I were Cuomo, I would call this out as well. Do you see that the Marriott, the Four Seasons and a couple of other hotels have come out in New York to offer uh, free rooms, to be able to turn their rooms into into hospital beds, offering free space to healthcare workers? Okay. When Donald Trump was asked at the late at one of the latest press conferences, if he was going to do the same with his properties in New York, Mm. he said, I'll have to get back to you. Mm, That's right. I heard that. Right? So I I'm saying, that. follow the money. Ask he also, the money they questions. Also, I want the CNBC folks to be digging in. They, they also asked him if he would not, t- like when we when we give money to bail out businesses, if his businesses would not be a part of that. He did not say no. He's, no, no. He said, no, no. He, he said, he said I, I, I would know nothing about that. Maybe. 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 Which is yes. Oh, my God. I mm-hmm. can't with him. And you bring up Jared. Uh Trump. I would rather not, but you know. There is a there is a devastating portrait of him on a Netflix show airing right now. Ooh, I believe it's called? I believe it's called Dirty Money, which goes into lo- I've seen his it. his terrible and if I'm wrong about that, somebody tell me the tell me tell me I'm wrong. Tell me what the title is. Dirty Money, I believe mm-hmm. it is. He is shown to be this horrendous a slumlord who not only is running terrible apartments and houses, but he also uh, sues you, sues people for small amounts of money, burying them in legal problems and legal morasses. And if you're a little bit late for your month payment, then you have to pay 
more the next month, which makes you late again because they're slow to tell you that you were being penalized. So you get into this hole of like more and more and more and more. It's just, he's just the worst slumlord. And in any normal situation, this would be a devastating conversation to have a major White House advisor have some huge expose that makes him look horrendous. And yet there's nothing. I mean, look, uh, how much did Ivanka and Jared Kushner make in two in two thousand nineteen? Oh, somebody's reminding me. One of the one of the one of the people's reminding 80 million. me that they used to do that, that. That the Kushner group used to do with if you were rent stabilized, right? Which a lot of people are in New York. They would use psychological tactics to try to get you out, like construction right near your apartment late at night, to where you're like, I'm losing my mind. I have to move. I mean, like, how evil is that when you're a multi-multi-millionaire and you're treating people I like mean, this? But this is, this is, I mean, this is the let them eat cake oligarchy. Totally. Th- like, this is what this is. The, 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 the Kushners made $80 million last year, but, they, but the Republicans have all of their guns pointed at Hunter Biden. Right. And and him being and him being, you know, him making money while his father was vice president of the United States. I'm sorry. What? What was was Hunter in the White House? Did he have an advisory role? Was he was he flying around on tax dollars uh, money? No, he wasn't. Trump spent one hundred and forty seven million dollars last year at Mar-a-Lago of our fucking money. You know, clearly Trump is concerned about running against Joe Biden because he was fighting against Joe Biden tooth and nail six months ago. Mm-hmm. Not just because Joe was leading, but because he was concerned about, so there's something going on. I don't think that he's a much of a political strategist, so I'm not sure why he's so afraid of Joe. And he may look at him now and be like, why was I afraid of this guy? I didn't need to go to Ukraine, but <sighs> we'll see. I, I, you know, I have to drag you into the conversation that everybody in America is having right now because it's all that I could think about. Did you see Tiger King? Oh my God. That show is amazing. I I didn't. I think you're the, you're the last American, you're the last American who hasn't seen it yet. Will you like it? I don't know. I mean, like it is the craziest group of people. Is it the woman who she she fed her husband to the tiger? The, she's part of it. And then the other one it has 200 tigers and two husbands. And then the other one has 150 tigers and five wives. And the other one was... Uh, uh, Scarface before Scarface and he's got 50 tigers and then here comes another one who has 20 tigers but he might have money and he uses the tigers he has to get women to swing with him and his wife and it's just one character is nuttier than the next one than the next one one of the episodes is called Make America Exotic Again I mean like just when when Jonathan Capehart told me about this show and right. I was I like, watch I was like, I ain't watching these stupid Trump loving what? No, I'm good. <laughs> and everyone kept talking about it. And I turned it on for two minutes and I was like, Oh my God, tell me more. 
<laughs> so it's just crazy after right. crazy. Well, I need and, I need a distraction. So and this and this this I'll is this is America's distraction right now that we need something to focus on besides the madness of Corona and Trump. And this is the thing that ever. So your homework for the week, DM. Is to watch Tell Tiger me. King so that we can dig into it next week. I'm on my third watching because <laughs> okay. right. I watched it twice and then I started showing it to my wife and I thought she'd be like, because she's she's vegan for political reasons. So I thought she'd be like, no, I'm good. And she kept saying, wait, what? Go back. Show me to go back. What, what happened? And he got five wives and he got two husbands. And wait, what? What's so going it's on here? me and tigers? It's hmm. everything. Fascinating. A- and murder and murder for hire and 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 somebody it's, somebody asks is asking uh penny from the block uh on instagram live is asking is there a lot of animal cruelty is there animal cruelty because i don't want to watch it if there's animal cruelty. i, I mean Do they hurt I, the tigers not on not, that's that's tough to answer that's not not a, you don't see animal cruelty but they are encaged Right. But they're not, but they're, but these are private zoos. So they're trying to take care of the animals, but they're fixated on baby tigers and lions because those you can pet and you can like pose with them and they're sweet and they probably won't hurt you. But once they get to be like a little bit grown, like the equivalent of like a teenager, they could easily snap and take your finger off so that you can't have humans just be around them and then they say in the piece like well then they're just a bill so then what can we do with them so guess what happens to them we don't see that but we're told that so i mean there's an okay Im- so you you should just leave the animal cruelty up to your imagination is essentially <laughs> the, is they're, essentially they're what not you're they're, they're, yeah i mean they're not starved but they are become the older they become the less valuable they become Okay. Well, and, Penny, that and, that answers your question. And these are then these are these are businessmen who are running these decisions, um, and one businesswoman who's got a shit ton of money. Um, so America continues falling apart. Mm-hmm. I feel like we are all grounded because one kid fucked up. You know, like when you're a kid and like one person in the class like screwed up so that everybody has to go to detention. Um, Matore, I'm going to ask you to stop calling this grown ass 70 something year old white man a fucking child, because if I have to hear people talk about the prolonged adolescence of white folks, I will lose my fucking mind. You know that. So do not call him a kid. but, But mentally and emotionally, he is a child. He's not an adult. He does not have a full emotional profile. Do no, no, no. But he's not. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. This is not to to forgive him in any way. But to fully understand Mm -hmm. him, we have to admit he is like a child. Mm Mm-mm. No, I'm not going to admit that he's like a child because this is this is this is what white supremacy does, and I'm not going to do it. So I'm mm. not going to pretend that he doesn't have the emotional or mental capacity as a fucking adult. He's a seventy-something-year-old criminal, mm. right? So, like, let's not let's not inf- like infantilize him. Let's not do this because if if Tamir Rice can be seen as a fucking adult, if Trayvon Martin can be seen as an adult, if if black babies are seen as adults as soon as they begin to toddle out of their mother's arms, I do not want to infantilize old white fucking evil men. I'm not. I'm not doing it. I hear you. So 
I hear you. No. He ain't no child. Well, the country continues to... He's a motherfucker, but he's not a child. The country continues to fall apart, and we have hundreds of thousands of deaths ahead of us. This thing is going to become Mm -hmm. more and more real and tangible um, Mm -hmm. to us Mm -hmm. as we go on. I don't know what next week's show would even be like after we, because the the, the the death toll is going to ramp up rapidly over the next two months. So, yeah. you know, we I, you blink and it's another thousand each day. So. I mean, we'll be here with y'all. That's, think, I mean, that's all we can say. Well, if there's still a country. <laughs> If there's still a country, which used to be funny, we're doing our best to battle from our bunkers. Used to be funny, but it's not a joke anymore. Um, anymore. Well, thank you for listening to Democracy Ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we'll be back next week. Next week. If there's still (laughs) a country. If there's still a country. Cheers, folks. It's about that time. Oh, my God. Peace. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts.